Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 217. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the notable and talented comic creator, Lori Calcaterra. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Here I am hey. again. Are you sick of me yet? <laughs> no, see? No, see? You are... That, no, Ali, my audience, we're not we're, no because you've been on twice. This is this is good. You're still good. You still honestly, if like, you're on for three times, you become friend, friend of the, of the show. show, right? Yeah, so, but I mean, just recently, I've been on like every single show. Like Ronnie has seen me everywhere. Yeah. Like I was on Catch the Craze. You were there. Like <laughs> I've been on everybody's show in the last thirty days. So, uh, I'm still but it's here. good. Be- you're Can still here because you're 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 promoting your issue number two yeah. of of Path of the Pill Rider, and I remember when you talked to us uh, a few months ago about issue number one, you kind of gave us a really good deep dive on the world you've created. So for yeah. those that are just tuning in who don't understand or know the world that you've created for Path of the Pill Rider, do you want to? I love it, and like Lori, you I know you've been talking about you talking about it. There's <laughs> There's so many. So anybody just Google Lori Calcaterra, listen to the podcast. She's been on, she has been going on a tour talking about this. But for those that are interested in this amazing post-apocalyptic steampunk, cyberpunk, zombie world that has a really cool Western, (laughs) it's got a really cool twist to it. And it's a really innovative. And everybody I talk to about you got to check out Lori Calcaterra's book, Path of the Pill Writer. There's this really cool thing about it. And I tell them the really cool thing. And they're like, I need to read this book. I'm like, that's what I'm yeah. telling you. So yeah. so those that want to know, tell people what makes this Path of the Pill Writer so innovatively special. Okay. So imagine a world where your <laughs> body can die but your soul or your energy doesn't leave upon that moment of death. So now you get to hang around and experience your own decay phase. So we have a population of people that are increasingly chaotic. They are forgetful. They are violent. They are, un, you know, unattached. Um, and this death process is broken for everything. So we have people, animals, insects, bacteria, viruses, whatever, you, it can die, but then it's around. So nothing gets to leave. Nothing gets to transition. We're all stuck here together as things devolve back to the Wild West. So we have Jude St. Clair, who is our protagonist. He is in the wasteland. It's 10 years into this apocalypse. And he's like the last guy looking for the answer. Why do the dead no longer die? Hmm. So you get spaghetti western. Like if I could pick some of the influences for this, it would be like Mad Max, um, it, Clint Eastwood movies, The Pale Rider, The Good, The Dead, and The Ugly. Era. Yeah, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I just put <laughs> dead everywhere because dead. <laughs> um, you know, we have uh, Book of Eli. Um, I play Fallout. So if you like Fallout or All of Us, you know, or The Last of Us, yeah, I'm just going to say everything wrong. Um, so like zombie things, um, 
Western things, steampunk things. So we're, it's like, it's a Western, but it's in the future, but it's in an alternate future. So it's like, you still see technology from today, but the right. way they use it is different. You know what I mean? For example, when you have an undead population, guns don't, they're not effective, right? Because right. you can shoot them and nothing happens. Like you, these aren't zombies you can shoot in the head and they're done. These are zombies you shoot them ahead and they become more chaotic because they have less of their brain to use. Right. Um, so it's just, it's a bad idea. So then you have um, government and other entities that are con trying to control them, maybe not with um, guns, but maybe with like electrical weapons like tasers would still right. work because they affect the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. So you're going to see some, some, slight changes of how we use things. Um, you'll see some technology that they wear so they can differentiate themselves between living and undead. So we created what's called a disc. They wear these things. Actually, I made one. I should bring it on an interview at some point. I can hear it and, and my phone goes into it. And that's what actually um, gives brings it to life, which is really cool. Um, so it will beat with my heart, you know what I mean? So it's green. For living with the heartbeat that goes across and it has a speaker you can hear it as well and then if you're undead it's red and it just kind of has the flat line with the alarm that goes off but again people if this is like real world um we'll hack technology all the time right right so in this world the undead are hacking discs and they can walk around and pass for living for maybe a little bit longer you know what right. i mean so we, there's a lot of problems to tackle, you know, um, society-wise, and um, there's a lot of really ethical situations that pop up in the story that make things extra difficult. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a it's a difficult place to kind of walk around um, and survive, but it also depends on your definition of survival because you right. can be undead and still be around. So. Could you? I know in some of the interviews, your people are asking you these philosophical questions, and people are asking, yeah. "What one thing have you since you've created this world and have, and have been exploring it more with issue two and some? Have you been able to tweak any of your meta plot based off of some conversations with somebody would somebody would ask you, "Well, what about this?" You're like, "I never thought of that. That's going to change some things." Have you? Has do there I, been anything? Do you want to hear that? something crazy? Yeah, I haven't because I thought of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> because I just went like went off the deep end when I okay so when I had the idea like what would happen if um nothing died correctly you know what I mean like right. we've all seen the the movies where it's like everybody lives forever or like time is a new asset where you stay young but if the clock runs out then you die right? right so we've seen like immortal elves immortal vampires immortal 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 I wanted to explore what happens if we can't leave but you decay in the meantime right so that sucks. But um, when I when I had that idea, I was like, we're just going to world, we're going to build this world. And mm. I'm a big fan of like Frank Herbert's Dune. And if you've ever read that story, all of the characters have a faction, which has a history and the way they intertwine, there's a language, they build prophecies, there's espionage, like their inner workings of that story are just so vast. And mm. that's kind of what I was shooting for. So I was like, okay, what would pe how would people react? How are the different ways that people would react? How would government react? How would this affect our food? You know what I mean? Mm. So <laughs> I eat meat. Um, I would not eat meat in this world because the meat would still move while you're eating it. One. 
two, how do you butcher a cow when it's still animated? Mm. Because you can kill it, quote unquote, yeah. but it's still animated. So then good luck. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like we have famine. We have insects that maybe don't understand they're undead and continue to eat. So now we have a whole bunch of insects that we can't kill. Pesticides don't work. It's like, how do you protect our crops? You know what I mean? So I just went like really down the deep end with the world building. So people are like, well, what happens if this? And I'm usually like, well, this happens and this happens and this happens. And I'm like, ah, so then what about this? And I'm like, well, then this happened. You know what I mean? So um, you'll right. get to see a lot of that in the comics. So that's why I was like, come along. You were in the beginning phases, issue one, issue two. You're you're learning about the character. You're learning about the world. Um, we have an extended flashback that's coming up. And you'll get to see um, through Jude's eyes the first time he encounters an undead, the first time like it comes up in the news, how society quickly decays. Um, the riots, the famine, all of that stuff. Like we we show you that. And then whatever you don't get to see in the main story, then we bring in all the the other stuff that we do, right? So right. you can experience more. So. Right. So this was a question. I don't know if you've answered it in a previous interview, but I was watching one of your live streams where people would be asking you these questions. Yeah. And you're like, I got it. So let me ask you this. What about eating insects? Can't you eat the insects? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would happen if you ate the insect and digested it? It would still move, but it would be around in your waist. Right. Because it breaking down with stomach and stomach acid, like you can, what if it's there's completely still, there's dissolved? There's still a part of it that will come out of you, correct? Yeah. Right, sure, yeah. It's in those parts. Oh. It doesn't get to leave. What about, so how about, is there any like espionage aspects? Uh -huh. It's like somebody who is undead and like, you know what? I'm going to put my eye over here mm -hmm. and see what happens and then be able to, could you, could you do that? Like say someone walking around with an eye patch pretending, but he'll actually put his eye. You could do that. Um, you run eye. the risk of, of having your eye be exposed to the elements, which would make it decay faster. Okay. But yes, they could do that for a certain point of time. Also, it's like if you take it out of your head, it's not connected to your brain anymore. So it may may or not may or may not function. You know what I oh, mean? Okay. All right. Um yeah. There's so it's many gross. Possibilities. <laughs> I love answering these gross questions though. It makes me happy. <laughs> what is so so talk about talk about issue number two. So mm -hmm. um what the summary of issue number one and what can they expect? What's what, what, what's the expectation for issue number two? Go through this super quick. We're not going to dawdle. This was issue number one. Um, it kind of gives you an idea of what the apocalypse looks like. Um, you see Jude in the wild. Um, he has quiet moments very quickly interrupted by wildlife or cra crazy things. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to show mm. the people that, um, it's still the earth. It's still, it's overgrown, it's overgrown, it's overrun, but it's very dangerous. And um, depending on Jude's decision, um, bad things can happen. So this is like the most dialogue you get in this entire book is this page. But he's just, it, I'll sum this up for people. It's like, he meets this lady and her girl. Um, he says he's looking for Santa Claus. And she's like, aren't you too old to believe in Santa Claus? And he says, not the legend, the town. So he's going to a place called Santa Claus and he's looking for a guy named Dwayne Fink. 
she says she doesn't know anybody or the towns, but if he goes up this road, um, you know, he'll find something. Uh, he has this cute little moment with this little girl uh, where she wants to feed apples to the horse uh, named Prince. And then Jude kind of gives her a secret that the horse's name is Diana Prince and that mm. he named the horse after a warrior woman that was a protector of the human race. So Jude St. Clair reads DC Comics, people. Um, so <laughs> just a little Easter egg there. But then he's off and he's on this nasty road. I showed this one. This was our Kickstarter preview. I gave eight pages last time. And of course, right. there's a big old sign that says Dead Bear, finds this glass, has the map of Las Vegas on it. Dun, dun, dun. It means something. Finds this giant undead bear. They decide to sneak over it. Why? Because it's go forward or go home, right? I mean, he's been looking for this guy. It's worth a shot. But the horse trips in this glass that he stopped, the Las Vegas glass is now crashed and um, James is awake. This is this is Big James, people. You can't get away from Big James. He's the apex predator. He's a very angry undead bear. So you can't shoot him. You can't get rid of him. He can run faster, climb trees, and swim. So there ain't no way away. Um, that's pretty much a recap. The re I'm not going to spoil the end, but if you have read the end, it's very wild. Um, and Jude has to deal with the consequences of his actions of picking up that glass. So right. there you go. That's it. All right. So I have the preview pages on the Kickstarter. So here we are going into issue number two. So uh, Jude is still going to Santa Claus. Santa Claus. So anyway, so Jude heads into the bar. Um, if you read this, this is very telling about Santa Claus. They don't like strangers. They don't like undead. Um, and the bartender kind of tells them, like, nobody really comes here because the road is blocked by Big James between the rock slides and that bear. Nobody, Nobody's new. You know what I mean? So what are you doing here? And, mm. of course, Jude is like, I'm looking for Dwayne Fink. And the bartender's like, ah, it's your lucky day. It's right over there, right? So it gives you that. Ah, who is this guy? And then, of course, here he is slamming his mug of beer. He's this town drunk or town idiot, whatever you want to call him. And the, this group of people is kind of like goading him on. He's like the entertainment. You know what I mean? They get him sloshed and then they ask questions and get him riled up. And he says crazy things like he's talking about the man of gold who snared death um, and doesn't die. Like, uh, So they're asking him like about the fountain of youth. And he's like, no, no, no. Um, he's 102 or 103. He can't remember. He's drunk at this point. Climbs on the table because he's upset. Like, it's like, I'm all bullshit. And he's like, no, no, no. And like, goes on a rant. He keeps spilling his beer on this guy, which is Marco's sense of humor, which makes me laugh. Like, I was like, in the script, it was like, spills his beer on a guy. But Marco's like, no, nah, we're going to do it twice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and on the same guy. So this poor guy's like, oh, damn it. You know, um, falls off the table and that's it. Like, he's going to the drunk tank. Um, and this last little panel just cracks me up because the bartender is like, are you sure this important guy is Dwayne? Like, this guy's an idiot, kind of, you know, and, and Jude's just kind of like, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy I'm looking for. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's something. And there's one line that he says, the things I have to do to get information. And the bartender's mm. like, what's that? And he's like, never mind. So something's, something's coming. So you get to see issue number two. Now he's in a town. You get to see people, how the people interact. 
This is a very mm. Western uh, issue, from my opinion. Um, you know, of all the places that Jude ends up, this is very much the saloon. You know, you're going to see we're going to see Western stuff happen here. I don't want to spoil right. it. So. And so what's interesting you're doing for this Kickstarter, talk about this um, choose your own path kind yeah. of story. Well, that kind of evolved the last set of interviews that I did, like talking about all the ethical things, like what would happen if they came to collect you or separate you from the living if you were undead and mm. you have family members? You know, what if the house is in your name? All your family is living, but you're undead. And now you lose the house because you can't own property once you're undead. They're going to kick everybody out. They're going to come collect you. How do you right. feel about that? You know, and so it's like all these weird situations can pop up. And uh, when I was doing the interviews, people were like, this would be a really cool world to kind of do a choose your own adventure. So after like the sixth or seventh person suggested that I wrote one, I was like, I'm, mm. I'm listening. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So I wrote a 60 page, it's a manga sized um, book. Uh, it's a color cover done by Marco DeFillo. And um, yeah, you get to put on the boots and the hat and you get to actually run bounties in the wasteland and see if you can survive. I just, yeah. Like I just released some art, I think yesterday of the Skinner, who's one of the more nasty characters I have concocted. And uh, good luck to run into the Skinner because um. You're not nice. <laughs> it's like, but I, I did take pity on people because I wrote that first half and I, I, I did a beta test. So I let people play it mm. and um, everybody died. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. So if you get to like, if you run the bounties and you get back to the saloon, it's like a safe point. And then the okay. storm takes off again. But if you die in that second half, start at the halfway point, you don't start all the way back at the beginning. Okay. So. All right. There's, so there's some there's some grisly deaths. There's some things that you're gonna see in the main story. There's some original stuff in there. Um right. you're gonna see all sorts of things. You might see an undead bear, I don't know. <laughs> so have you thought about also uh making like a like a, a tabletop role-playing game at all? Yes. Uh, we have talked about that. This was kind of like the first step with the um, choose your own adventure books because I can do that myself without having right. like um, someone who actually does games involved. But uh, I have friends that do that. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Christopher Brown, um, who does like the Slaughterville comic, but he also has a tabletop game called Slaughterville. Um, and he does a ton. Like, where's that one? I was, I've been playing this one a few times. This is really cool. This is called Cult. And it's a okay. one-player choose-your-own-adventure board game. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you get to, like, pick a character and, like, you have skills that you can develop. And it comes with, like, a book that has a story in it, which is really funny, by the way. Um, his sense of humor is spot on. So it's, like, I think at one point, uh, like, you can get up to six damage. And I had four damage. And you have to roll dice to see if you succeed or not on some of these things. So I was going to break down a door and I didn't roll enough. So I took a damage from the door. <laughs> and he was like, well, thank God you didn't have five because you would have died from like running into the door. <laughs> I was like, what a way to go, you know. But it's like, I think uh, the first time I went through it, I got hit by a van and like lost all my stuff. I had all sorts of like things I had attached that gave me like extra rolls and advantages and 
lost everything and then got killed by a pack of dogs. That like happened two days later. And then the second time I played, I got past the van and then I drew some card that like gave me this huge disadvantage. And then I forget how I died. I think from zombies or something. So it was just like, but I was like, I got farther, but I didn't win. So it's like, I got to keep playing it until I win, Chris, because I'm not going to let you keep. <laughs> but that's how the choose your own adventure is, which is cool because you can play it as many times as you want to. You know, you can die as many times as you want to, or you can explore the different bounties or the different things that you can do, um, you know, as many times as you want to. Uh, but tabletop is a thought. Um, a card game or like with collectible cards is a thought. Uh, I'm really tossed around this idea about having a video game made. We were talking about like resurrecting 8-bit, almost like Oregon Oregon Trail. Okay, cool. Die of dysentery. It's like you have died from an undead bear. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chomp -chomp. But it's like in certain cases you can get killed and continue on the story as undead. And we can change the whole format of the game as soon as you die, where it's like maybe right. it becomes a first-person shooter. You know what I mean? So there's some really wild ideas. Like when you're undead, you can't read signs anymore. Like that part of your brain got damaged. So it's like there's you you have a harder time making decisions because you're damaged. You know what I mean? Right. So are you even shooting the right people at this point? Who knows what you're doing? So it's like we did. There's a lot of things that we're, we're talking about that could be a possibility. But of course, some of that stuff costs money. <laughs> so it's like someday we'll get there. Um, right now we're just trying to get number two funded. So right. baby steps. So, right? so you, which is what I find interesting is like a lot of questions like, did you come up with a character first or did you come up with a world for, it sounds like you came up with the science first before yeah. you did a deep dive. Yeah. Um, it was the, the whole thing about what happened if the dead could no longer die. And then mm -hmm. it was the world building. And then it was, okay, who's the protagonist and what is he doing? What if, mm. okay, I, I love zombie movies and zombie comics. One of the things that is most commonly ignored, how did this start? Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I decided I would focus. So that's the whole point of this protagonist. The zombies are there, and it just kind of happens around him. He's used to it. It's 10 years into this. Right. But his path is, why did it happen, and can I still put the world right? Hmm. So we actually, um, that first arc is 13 issues. It's already all written. Um, it's pretty much concrete. People keep asking me if I'm going to rewrite it or change anything. And not really. I don't really write fluff. I'm not interested in fluff. Um, right. It is 13 issues because that's what it took us to get to the end of that first arc. You know what I mean? Right. I'm writing arc number two. I'm nine issues into that. That one's looking like it's going to be 12 um, issues. And then there will be a third arc to wrap up the story. There is an ending. There is an ending. And we need a third arc to kind of get us there. Um, but yeah, so um, we're getting there. We're moving quite along. Let's just. And are you looking at trying to get two issues done a year? It seems like that seem you'd be on pace to that. Uh, we'd like to do three a right. year, like once every four months. If we can speed up, that's always, you know, 
if we if we're going to turn out as many as we can a year without rushing, we don't want to rush the product. We want it to be quality. But again, right. um, a, there's nothing from stopping it from coming out because it's already written. So it's not like he's waiting for me to write the story. It's just a matter of how long does it take to to finish drawing, you know, get it to the editor, print it, fulfill it, and then start talking about the next one. Because of course, anytime that you're fulfilling, it's like they won't let you even start the next Kickstarter until you're done. Um, mm. And then we want to make sure we give it ample time to build up to the next one so that people come back because if they don't know that we're here or we don't, they don't know that we're campaigning again, it's like, they don't know. And then they're not here, you know, they're not here for support. So it's just, it's a fine line. And what do you say? Like um, uh, the third arc would be how many issues? Uh, It just depends probably around 12 or 13 just depends on how I write it. But um, yeah, I mean, usually it's like when we get towards the end, the issues get a little bit bigger because there's so much going on. Um, I think they're so, all about 24 pages. Some of them could be a little bit more depending on content. So you're talking about just a, just a little bit of math here, 36, about a 36 or so issues. Yeah. And if you're doing three a year, you'll be done in 12 years. Uh, hopefully we'll be done faster than that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like right now where we started, yes, it took us that long. But every time right. we go through a Kickstarter and every time we learn um, you know, the goal is to um, raise enough funds where market can just continually work. Right. It's hard when, you know, we have to crowdfund and, you know, sometimes what? it's like we, we, we use up all the funds from the previous one and now we have to wait for a Kickstarter to fund us so he can keep working. You know what I right. mean? So, so what, what, one aspect as, as things get progressed and get, w- would you ever think about switching every other like having an artist do um, one or the other ones that way. Cause really what it comes down to is just the, the ability to have the art get cool. done f- for, cause even if you do, you know, just doing quick math, even if you do four issues a year, it's going to be nine, f- four yeah. issues a year to be nine years by the time you do it. Well, crap. <laughs> You'd like to go faster than that. Um, yeah, that's something that we'll have to look at long term. You know what I mean? Right. Because uh, you do have people like, yeah, because of the this. I mean, you, you think about it from the perspective of, you know, like you know, like comic books that you would see that that are coming out monthly. Even it's yeah. not that the same artist is always basically does the sketching. Then you have an inker. Or if yeah. you have the same, that kind of like brings it back out a bit. So that's, that's an idea as well. But right now it's like Marco and I are just the two of us right now. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like if we start picking up and yeah, absolutely. The, the goal is to get the story out there. Um, we just have to take a look long-term and see what we need to do. We have, we have no problem bringing on other people if that's what's best for the story. It's not right. like it's like, no, Marco needs to blah, blah, blah. No, Marco's okay with bringing on people to free him up to do more things. Right. Yeah. So um, we're, we're in it for as, as long as it takes, but we will figure it out, you know, as right. we continue to grow and progress. So, yeah, that's well, those are good questions. These, this is the point, Lori, too. Is like you've created such a, a, an amazing, fun, immersive world that, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe like the readership is just really wanting to see more and more. Yeah. But, yeah. If yeah. we could turn one out once a month or every other month, that would be You'd great. You'd be done in seven years and when six that- years instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Jeez. <laughs> Maybe they'll get picked up by Netflix before then. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can animate it or they want to spend a boatload of money and do it live action. Good for them. Right. <laughs> then you can get it all in a binge watch. You know what I mean? Right. So, so there you go. Yeah. But so, so what are some of the other aspects of it that you've, that you've, that you were, you're excited about people discovering in issue number two? Oh, uh, in issue number two, let's see. Well, I mentioned the people, um, you know, it's like, I don't want to give away spoilers, but it's like to see Jude in the wild and to see him in a surrounding with people. It's like, I'm excited for people to see, is it still dangerous? Is it more dangerous? How are you being treated by strangers? Is it like this everywhere? Right. And what does Dwayne Fink have to say? Hmm. Is he really a crazy person? Do Can we believe anything he says? Or maybe he has something to it. Right. Like, what? why is Jude looking for this guy? You know what right. I mean? So there's, there's, there's more to the story that you will find out, you know. Plus, at what point, <laughs> Jude, what will he do to get all this information? How important is it to him? You know? Uh, one of the cool things that Jude does, Jude uh, is hearing, but he had someone in his family that was deaf. Um, and then, of course, the riddle on the back is actually uh, in sign language. So if you can solve it and answer that, this is really cool. You actually get to interact with one of my characters. It will trigger something where you get an interaction with a character like you were in Path of the Pale Rider. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And that, that was the other thing I want to talk to you about is just the, uh, the, the multimedia aspect of this that you've put into place. Now, what was that inspiration for you to do that? I, it was one of those things like I knew the world was so big and I spent so much time on it. You, and when Jude took a certain path, you don't get to see all the cool stuff that I thought up because you see the story through Jude's lens, Right. So right. if he doesn't see it, you don't see it either. But I was like, mm. but there's so many other cool things. So I was like, what if, and now I come from production. Remember, I used to choreograph fight scenes for a production company in Detroit. That's how I right. started writing, actually. Um, so since I come from production, I was like, we can do a short film. You know what I mean? Just something basic, but where you get to explore more of the world about Path of the Pale Rider, but you get to see it in a different medium. You know what I mean? So like issue number one, we did a commercial for the undead retirement community. Uh, so it looks like a legit commercial from the beginning for like a retirement home. You have no idea it's for undead people until you get to the end. And then there's a little girl riding a bike with a big old scar across her face. Um, my daughter, she did that real nice, by the way. <laughs> she had a blast putting on that zombie makeup until I had to take it off. And then she was not happy because it was like that scarring... <laughs> liquid where it like shrivels your skin and then she was like ah you know she didn't want me to take it off anyway i digress so we did that so it's like the the serene images of like the picket fence the great community but it's like interspliced with violence and riots and things on fire and we simulate a shooting um to kind of show you like the juxtaposition of what the world wants you to think it is versus what it really is right. you know what i mean kind of like propaganda how the media plays on us um you know kind of talking about almost like real world aspects of what we see on tv where it's like look at this celebrity look at the celebrity meanwhile like over in europe things are on fire like why right. do i care about 
celebrity ABC and what they're right. doing and who's divorcing who when there's people getting blown up by missiles in another country. You know what I mean? Did you get inspiration with the time or did, or did this actually kind of throw some things back for you during um, the pandemic? A little bit of both, little column A, little mm -hmm. column B, where it's like I spent a lot of time writing and refining the story on those sleepless nights. So like right, right when lockdown happened, we were all pretty anxious about how things were happening. Um, so I spent a lot of time at the computer just typing up the story because um, I had it in my head and it was one of those things where I just needed to get it out. And so I was able to do that like right at the beginning of lockdown is when that kind of happened. But then um, when my husband read it, he was like, let's, let's, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Cause it's a giant story. And I, I we can't, you know, um, the production company that we had used, it's too big. It's too big. You know what I mean? It's Netflix big. Um, and he was like, well, let's turn it into a comic book. So we started looking into that, but then like brought in some artists and then life happened to them where it's like everybody got COVID or their roof collapsed or trees fell on their house. And, Mm. Um, I just felt like it was, it just wasn't meant to be like every, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong and it was nobody's fault. It was just like weird life circumstances that popped up. You know what I mean? Right. So I lost, well, well I had one artist and then brought in a second one to help and I ended up losing them both, wow. um, in 2021 and took like a whole year off, um, really thinking hard if I wanted to continue, um, whether I should draw it myself, which wasn't ideal. Um, I have an art degree, but it's not sequential art. And I would have had to basically learn and it would, I mean, like it wouldn't suck, but it wouldn't be what it is now. You know what I mean? Right. Like Marco has a degree in comic book art and he graduated in 2020. His, his, teacher mentor was Kyle Strom who did spread and is currently doing twig. Like he's, he's an image artist currently. So that's who his instructor was. Like he's very skilled if you look at his art. So that's the thing. It's just like, man, I can't, I can't, it will take me years to do that. So, um, but long and hard was very picky about which artist I brought on, um, found Marco through a Facebook group called connecting comic book writers to artists. Mm. you know, did exactly what it was supposed to do is help me connect. So, um, brought him on board just in 2022, like just this year, January, Marco and I met and then talked, um, you know, decided to move forward, wrote a contract, all that good stuff, you know, and started moving forward. And, it, and I think we, I thought we were ready in March and then I was like, well, how do you do it? You know what I mean? Because I had never done a Kickstarter before. Had to figure that out, you know? And then I hired Jeff, right? Yeah. As a publicist. And he was like, if you're really serious about this, you need to delay your Kickstarter for at least another month. So we have time to do interviews so people can find out who you are and come out and back you. That's the easiest way to fail a Kickstarter is to have no one know who you are. Right. Right. So Jeff was instrumental. Jeff Haas, if you're listening, thank you very much uh, for all the hard work you did on my first campaign. I would not have been successful without Jeff. So people are always like, we see you everywhere. How did you do that? And I tell them, talk to Jeff Haas, man. Um, he'll, he'll book you on shows. 
Um, he'll take the guesswork out of it for you. You know, if you can get your face in front of people so they can start knowing your name and mm. understanding what your comic is about, then that's half the battle. That, what am I talking about? That's like 90% of the battle, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Well, good. So, so in order for uh, to, to make this podcast evergreen, Lori, say someone's listening yeah. to this podcast in a year from now, where can they find issue number two of Path of the Pill Rider? Well, right now it's on Kickstarter. We're on. If you um, haven't been to Kickstarter before, it's a crowdfunding site where you can go and back someone like myself, who's a, a creator, um, to help us bring our um, project to life. So we are shooting for a goal of 4550, uh, which 50% of that is art production costs. And then the other right. 50% is um, like printing and shipping and merchandise. And, you know, we have a lot of really cool things that you can get as a backer reward. So that's where you can get that right now. Um, Pre-order, uh, you know, your copy of issue two. If you haven't gotten issue number one, I have a, I have a couple of catch-up tiers where you cool. can get both. You can get one and two together at the same time, um, which is cool. And you can get PDF. If you're in a place where I don't ship to, you know, unfortunately I can't ship everywhere right now. It's pretty difficult. Um, so I ship to the U S and Canada. So if you're somewhere else, you can still follow the story. I have PDF copies that I can email to you, you know, five and $7 if you want the catch up tier. So it's pretty inexpensive to get involved in the story and every pledge helps bring us, you know, closer to that goal. Um, right. If this is after campaign a year from now, and you're looking to get, you know, into path of the pale rider, I have a website, www.pathofthepalerider.com. Anytime we release an issue um, after the Kickstarter is fulfilled, I will put anything that I order extra onto the website. So no. I currently have a covers left of issue number one, but probably not for long because I'm going to a con uh, this weekend. So they're probably all going to go. So I'll probably have to do another print after that. Okay. And so people can go to, as you say, uh, is that the, the WordPress website? Yeah. You don't have to type in the WordPress nonsense. I actually own that domain. I don't know why it doesn't show up, but it's just www.pathofthepalewriter, just exactly as the title reads, .com. Okay. And it will take All you right. to the website. You know, I usually have stuff on their first page. Like I will update art. Um, it has a little shop link where you can go and see yeah, I mean, that's our icon. It's everywhere, right? So if you see that picture, it's us. Um, right. Kickstarter one. Still want a copy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so if you're interested in, in in learning more about it, yeah, absolutely go to, yeah, pathofthepillarwriter.com. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. All well, stuff. yeah, so thank I'm, you so much. Blog that nobody reads. <laughs> <laughs> My <laughs> talks about people and right. no one has found it. So it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, once again, congratulations. Congratulations on, on making such an amazing, and like, I love the world. It's so, it's so fun. And it like, there's you, like you say, there's, there's action and philosophy and there's science. There's so much about it. And it's, uh, yeah. I really enjoy it. So thanks again, Lori. And you listen, you got to come back on in the next few weeks when issue number three is ready to come out, right? 
issue number three in the next few weeks. <laughs> right, we just talked about it. you got to speed it up, right? You have, you have to speed up. I will the let Marco know. He's going to be like, write me a check and I'll get it done, Lori. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, come check out the Kickstarter. We got metal covers. We got the Choose Your Own Adventure. We have this. Unfortunately, the collectible sticker is gone. Um, but I have like really awesome Funko Pops. Um, which we had a few made last campaign, but like people were all asking me how they get these. So we opened them up for everybody. So if you like Funko Pops, they're available. Um, you not only get the Funko Pop, you get like the issue and some other stuff. I'm doing some really nice keychains, which I'm making myself. Um, right. Cause again, I have that art degree. And one of my buddies actually made like hot sauce. Whoop. He's like, do you like the sauce? I'm like, I'm not brave enough to eat this. He put ghost peppers in it. So I don't know, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lori. Uh, it's always so fun to have you come on. I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you. I enjoy being on Barney and I really appreciate it. I appreciate being on your show. I'm looking forward to my third time so I could be friend of the show. I will make sure. myself a badge and show up like, it's official. <laughs> <laughs> And we sleep with a, a 90 minute rhythm. Every 90 yeah. minutes is when we go from like the REM to deep sleep. Like it's the wave is every yeah. 90 minutes. So it's weird. Like as long as you're taking, you wake up within that 90 minute mo motion. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost better. It's almost, so here's the thing. It's, it's almost better to sleep for six and six hours than it is for seven hours in the sense that you right. don't have that 90, 90 minute yes. rhythm. Cause you're then right. you're more tired. Cause you're waking so, up in the middle and you feel groggy. I hear you. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's like a little, little sciencey thing I discovered, but yeah. <laughs>